What's happening? Welcome to Wong Notes Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4. Today, my guest is Tom Mish. If you're unfamiliar with Tom, he's one of the leading voices in his genre, in his generation, from... I don't have a je thing for London. Anyways, Tom and I have collaborated on a couple tunes. Here's a quick sample of the first tune we wrote together, Cosmic Sands. And here's a sample of a tune off of my brand new album, The Striped Album. This is a tune called Smooth Move. Hopefully that compelled you enough to go listen to my album and buy all my music whenever I put it out. And his as well. So without further ado, here's my interview with Tom Fish. This season of the Wong Notes podcast is sponsored by Neural DSP. All Wong Notes listeners get 30% off with the voucher code WONG. Neural DSP creates industry-leading guitar and bass plugins. The range includes signature plugins from some of the best modern guitarists, such as... Corey Wong, Pliny, Adam Nolly Get Good, and Tozen Abasi. The archetype Corey Wong gives you everything from crystal clear tones to edge of breakup blues tones, whereas the 14 Amp series delivers all the crushing modern metal tones you could possibly need. And that Nameless is my favorite Marshall amp ever. There's a plug-in here for every type of player, and you can get a 14-day free trial for every single one of them without even entering your credit card details. Find me another company doing that. Once you've found the ones you like, you get that 30% off your purchase by entering the code WONG at checkout. Well, Tom, thanks so much for being with us. It's really a treat to have you on. Thank you for having me, man. How's it going? I'm doing good. I'm chilling, man. We're hanging in there. How about you? You just moved. I see you in a new place that I don't recognize. Yes. Yeah. I just moved to a new house. Um, and I just carried a fridge up the stairs with the help of some other people. And, um, yeah, man, feeling good. Happy to be here. Nice. Well, we've had the joy of meeting each other and hanging out. And every time we've met, we've just hung out for like a couple hours and played music and talked a little bit. And, uh, yeah, we haven't actually spent a lot of time just sitting down and talking music, talking concept together. So mm. I'm excited about this. Although it is always fun when we just get together and start playing music right away. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. But um, this will be good. This is fun for me to to pick your brain on some things that I've been wondering about <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> I was watching some older interviews of you. I've been reading a lot about your stuff and just trying to get an idea of how you got your start doing what you do. It was all internet. You didn't start by having a band and then hitting things online. It was all just starting mm. from the internet. Is that right? Yeah, it was all, um, it was like 2016, 2015, and I was making beats. I, I was studying music technology at school and I was making beats. And um, at this point, I played the violin. I started playing violin when I was four. I played guitar. Um, I'd, I had been playing guitar for a few years. So, so I had that kind of musicality element and then I was just making beats. I was, I, I was obsessed with Jay Diller and, and that was, um, yeah, I was part of that SoundCloud community. You could say the sort of the golden age of SoundCloud. And, um, yeah, yeah, man, that's what, where it all started. And, you know, and the guitar has always been a part of that, you know, my, me making beats and stuff. And, and then I started singing. Mm-hmm. 
yeah man so i go through the whole yeah i mean so, so i start singing and then and then my i guess my music became more um it became less beats and more song structured stuff i guess yeah, it's interesting w- listening to the catalog that you've released, Beat Tape 1, Beat Tape 2, Geography, your most current album, What Kind of Music with Yousef Days. Was there a songwriting and recording process that was different mm. in making those albums? Yeah, they're all they're all quite a different process. They've, they've happened at different times in my career and I've, I've sort of evolved as a musician and stuff. So I guess Beat Tape 1 was purely done in my bedroom at my parents' house. Um, and that was, that was kind of focused around, uh, Jay Diller inspired me. So finding a loop, you know, that was like really finding a loop that I love. Um, where, you know, it's, it's chord progressions, things like that and subtle changes and getting the, the swing of the drums, you know, that was like something so mm-hmm. important on, on that tape. Um, that I was obsessed with the hi hat, you know, the, the placement of the hi hats in relation to the kick and snare and things like that. And then beat tape two was, was like a evolution of that, but with, me start inviting people to the bedroom studio. So people would come in and we'd, I'd, I'd have productions and they, they'd sing over stuff and we'd just vibe on that. But this had a few more influences that I was getting into. It had a bit of electronic music, a bit of like housey stuff, a bit of jazz. And then, yeah, and then geography was the next step. And, and But that was me singing, sort of me stepping up as sort of front man, singer-songwriter. Um, was that the first album where you felt like, I'm a lead singer now? I guess so. Yeah, I think it was, man, because I, I, I had sung before that, but that was that was kind of like my debut album, you know, with me singing and yeah. writing lyrics and stuff yeah. like that. So that was that was interesting, taking that step. But it's always I never want to just rely on my my singing, and and I, I never quite want to just rely on the songs. I want to rely on production and stuff as well because I'm so, I'm into that. You know, I love I love producing, and that's part of my sound is the production. You know. Yeah, and how is your guitar playing? And the approach to your guitar playing changed through the evolution of that, mm. the evolution from that era to where you are now. I think I've become more of a conventional guitar player than when I started playing guitar. I think the more music I've listened to and the more I've played in bands and stuff, I've kind of found my role sonically as a guitarist more than I had in previous stuff. So in Beat Take One, I was using the guitar as like, it was more kind of like loads of little textures and stuff built up right mm-hmm. sort of like high twinkly stuff and then and nowadays it's more you know I'm, I'm fitting in as as a rhythm guitarist almost within my own music a bit more it's kind of yes it's kind of different different approaches and then jamming with yusuf is just completely different man that's i'm trying to impress him by playing sort of like <laughs> crazy shit and maybe there's a bit of vice versa you know so that's different man yeah, yeah. that's cool i definitely recognize that i mean it's funny because a lot of the guitar playing on the beat tapes feels like either textural or like mm. you're simulating samples. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that's it, man. Beat tape one was, was that vibe of like, cause Jay Diller obviously sampled so much, you know, jazz guitar and stuff. And at the time I was studying jazz guitar. So I'd try and play that stuff in, you know? That's cool. Mm. As far as you talked about your writing process, your production process, singing, the guitar mm. playing, it all kind of depends on one another in the whole thing. Mm. It seems like your albums and what you do as an artist, it is a full package thing that all goes into the thing. Yeah. If you didn't have the producing side or the singing side, would you approach your guitar playing differently? I think so. I think I would subconscious. I, it's funny, I don't really think... I. 
I never really think about these things. Um, sure. <laughs> and I find it hard to put them into words because I kind of just like music's never been a, a intellectual like kind of something that I've thought about too much. But I think it's definitely influenced the way I play guitar. Often I'm kind of just jamming over beats, you know, like I spend a lot of time doing yeah. that, just jamming. Um, and I guess that's that's probably why initially I wasn't so much of a conventional guitar player. You know, I wouldn't necessarily be mm. playing like the, the sort of conventional chords and, and licks and stuff. It would be more like just jamming over stuff. Yeah, I definitely noticed that in the times that we've played together mm. where we'll sit and play on something yeah. And I can tell you, I can, I can see your motor moving and like, oh, is this a textural thing? Is what kind of vibe is this thing? And then you yeah, just yeah, go yeah. for things. And it's fun to watch your creative process as you just figure out sound palette, texture yeah. palette, and then rhythmic groove palette where you sit in the beat. Yeah, you yeah, got a really yeah. cool way that, that I've watched you okay. kind of pull from all those different things. It's fun. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, I, I guess um, just, just influenced by the stuff that I listen to, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, man, of course, yeah. Well, yeah, you mentioned man. the SoundCloud community and the golden mm. age of SoundCloud. And that is something that I definitely was around for, but I was totally just not in that thing. And I think it was just one of those platforms that while it had its golden age, I didn't quite understand it. Yeah. And I just didn't put my energy there. So I'm kind of out of the loop on what that is. Is there something that replaced that now? No, not really. I mean, Spotify, I feel like, has taken that role as, as the streaming place, you know, and discovering new music. Spotify has amazing yeah. algorithms for, like, finding related music. But mm -hmm. um, SoundCloud was, like, that kind of DIY place where you could make a name for yourself by just putting stuff on online, uploading it, no industry links, no, no yeah. kind of like connections. It's literally just if someone likes it, they're going to repost it. And if, if, uh, if they repost it, their fair followers see it. And it's just that kind of like that kind of process. And I just, I just, um, that was like the birth of me as an artist was like being on SoundCloud, getting to know the people who followed me, not literally, but just, you know, knowing their little icon sure. and their name and then commenting on my stuff like this is sick or something. And then I do. You know, I was kind of sort of quite addictive that the feedback you'd get and then, and then I kind of just upload stuff again and again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was cool, man. And I discovered a lot of new music and a lot of people, you know, Kei Janada came out of SoundCloud, um, Kiefer, mm -hmm. another producer that I like. Yeah. And like, yeah, a lot of people. It's interesting, yeah. man. And then some people made the jump to to Spotify and things like that, whereas some people didn't. And, and they're, they're kind of they kind of missed out because they hadn't made that leap to other platforms, which is interesting. Yeah. In a similar way where you saw a lot of people that were famous on Vine. Yeah. <laughs> and then Vine went away and it's like, yeah. where are these people? What happened? Yeah, that's it, man. Like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. They didn't really do any long-term career things. Yeah. And I guess with that in mind, for you, you've built an entire career off this, which is something that not everybody who does SoundCloud, or well, I don't know did SoundCloud. I sound like an old man. I posted <laughs> to the YouTube. Like anybody who is a quote unquote SoundCloud artist or whatever, yeah, yeah. you're one who has made a long-term career yeah. out of it. At what point did you feel like this is my thing that I do now rather than, oh, this is fun to just post to SoundCloud? I think as, as I got a manager and I kind of started doing shows and stuff like that and things were taking off, it was, that was when I was kind of like, okay, it's still kind of just something that I do. It's always just been something that I do, but 
Yeah. But um, it's kind of strange that the evolution of, of like be- becoming who I am today, like as, as an artist, it's kind of, I didn't plan it. It kind of just happened. Um, and I'm still, still surprised, yeah. you know? Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I think, Is that- I think the same thing kind of happened with Wolfpack where yeah. it started as this kind of YouTube act and an internet band that didn't really have intentions. Like Jack's the band leader. Jack, I don't think had intentions of touring and doing a bunch of festivals and you know being a, like a big band or anything. Yeah. It was just this internet thing that got big on the internet. And then all of a sudden, oh, I guess we got to do shows and people are asking us to tour and play yeah. festivals. And now there's these yeah. expectations and yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, what do you expect when you do something really well and yeah. people, people like latch it. onto it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I definitely relate to you in the sense where, I don't know, it's just what we do. Mm. Just make an album every year and it's like the thing and yeah. we get together and it still in some ways feels like the same it's been for years, but it just yeah. happens to now be in front of thousands of people. Yeah, it's exactly the same for me, man. It, it really wasn't very planned um, and I don't, it was only, I never dreamed of being a musician. I just loved making music and it was something I did. And and then yeah. uh, it just grew from from that. I think I am, I don't, I don't think of myself as very ambitious, but I think I have a hunger to make more music and I, I you know, I really love doing that. So I'm always kind of thinking about the next project. You know, I finish an album and then I'm straight onto the next thing yeah. um, because that's just, there's always something that's exciting me that's new, you know, whether that's a new new song or new genre or something, you know. Absolutely. So, I'm the same way. So you mentioned yeah. having a manager pretty early on. I know there's a lot of people, I, I don't know if you get this question online a lot or just in person, I guess, but mm. people ask all the time, oh, when should I get a booking agent? When should I get a manager? Yeah. When should I go and try to get a deal with a record label? What is yeah. your approach to those things? Because you've done it from mm. literally in your parents' in your bedroom at your parents' house to now yeah. where you're selling out huge rooms and yeah. you know charting on, on Billboard and everything? Um, I, I'm very lucky that I have an amazing manager who kind of just sent me an email one day and said, let's go for a coffee and met up with him. And then he kind of just kind of steered my career and sort of helped me understand everything from, um, from then till now. And he's, he's really mm-hmm. good because he doesn't push me to do stuff that I don't want to do, but he also, we have a bit of push and pull in terms of me not wanting to do stuff, him saying you should do this because it's, it might be good for this and that, you know? So I think it can be really important and valuable to have a manager from, from an early stage actually, but mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need one if you, if, yeah. if you're, if you have a clear vision and you're, and you're just doing your thing, I think that will, that will happen. Yeah, man. And, and labels like I've never really, I'm, I kind of release my projects through label services. So they, so I've got my own label, right? Which is called yeah. Beyond the Groove and the label services, um, put money into the releases, help kind of promote the albums, come up with ideas that way. So, so I'm, I'm kind of an independent artist, but with the infrastructure to help promote the albums and things like that. And that works for me yeah. because I, there's no one telling me what kind of music to make or what kind of, yeah. You guys and I think are, for the it, people that are listening, yeah, Wolfpack is independent and I'm yeah. independent and there's Wolf Records Wolf and Records, I have yeah. my own label imprint. But for yeah. those of, uh, for the people that are listening who don't quite understand what that is, basically, if you're an indie artist, you're just releasing albums yourself. The other option is you go with a record label. Sometimes there's independent record labels, sometimes major labels. There's been a, this sort of thing where you put an album out, the, uh, the record label will give you a, 
in advance of however many thousands of dollars to make your album. They recoup the money, and then you start making maybe a 50% yeah. royalty on that. But if you go with a label services or sometimes a distribution deal, you still own your album, but a major or sometimes even independent label will use their distribution arm and then take a much smaller percentage yeah, exactly, of yeah. that. Who is the label that you're working with on that? Um, so Cobalt. Cobalt. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so Able. Nice. I like working with them. That's great. So you've had the ma same manager for since basically the beginning. Yeah, same manager for about six, I think maybe seven years, six, seven years. And cool. he's, um, that's great. Yeah, he, we're, we're, we're really good friends. And, um, it, it's, yeah, he's, he's quite young as well. So it's quite nice to kind of grow our careers to grow together. Have you got a manager? Yeah. You've got a manager, haven't you? I have a manager now. Yeah. Yes. Which has been great. I've had a manager for a year and a half. Yeah. And I honestly didn't know what it would do for me. I mean, for some people, it's really important to have a manager early on if they don't have the business sense, the vision. Yeah, There's yeah. certain types of personalities that really need a manager yeah. and certain ones that can get away for a long time without needing one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I finally got to the point where I was like, ah, I think a manager would really help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. They, they promised that the percentage that they would take yeah, they <laughs> they promised that they would help bring in more than the percentage they would, they take, would take of right, my yeah. current trajectory, <laughs> and good. and that's been great. You know, that's cool. Yeah. And that's what managers do. They help you along in your career, and they yeah, help, yeah, yeah. like you're saying, figure out which things to do or not do. Or... I think I'm the kind of personality who really benefits from having a manager. Sure. Um, like I just I'm not interested in going to industry meetings and things like that, and and do all the kind of um. The I don't know the classic music industry kind of talk rubbish and for an hour I, I don't know like I, my manager's amazing at that and and I trust him to you know to smash that <laughs> yeah but, that's great so then you can focus on the creative side exactly so yeah. speaking of the creative side and who you are and where you find your creativity when did you feel like you found your thing your voice as a mm. musician or even as a guitarist. I think it's always evolving. I think it's something that, I think it's something, it's, it's weird because it's not, it's not something I didn't have, it didn't kind of arrive one day. It was like something that has evolved over time and, and it's still changing. Um, and there's, it's funny what people, because it takes, you know, you work on an album and then it gets released like seven, eight months later. Often what people think is Tomish sound is, is not where I am now. So like it might yeah. be an, out, an outdated kind of version of what, what I'm into. And there's like, I guess most people might think of me as the geography Tom Mish, because yeah. that's where they're at and that's what they're listening to right now. And, but there's kind of the evolution has, has moved along. And I, I think, I guess, I guess it comes, but my kind of prime, my kind of core sound comes from all those early influences and stuff and, and be, mostly being ear trained and stuff, you know, like I, I don't yeah. know any theory. I've never been, I've always hated that, that side of thing, like the intellectual side of, of music. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of limited what I can play maybe to just using my ear at all times. So yeah, I don't know. But it's I think using huh? your ear has given you a certain freedom. A certain freedom, yeah. Like when we've played together, I've seen you raise your eyebrow and just try sounds rather yeah. than, oh, well, that's a D7 or that's yeah. a D flat nine chord. So yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah, have yeah. these shapes to pull from. Yeah. It's like, oh, what's this sound? What's this 
paint color that I can just throw at this thing. Exactly, yeah. And it's always references. I'm, all, I'm always trying to reference stuff. So stuff that I'm into musically. That's, I think that's where most of my inspiration comes from is, is like referencing something that uh, I heard in like an Isley Brothers record. Like I like to say some guitar stuff going on there. You know, and yeah. just throwing in these different references and stuff. That, that, but that's subconscious, you know. Like if you play me something, I might think, oh, this is what I think could work with that. Like a reference from mm-hmm. something, you know. That's cool. And I think that's another cool thing that you get from working with other people is you might play some sort of hip hop R&B thing and I'll immediately start thinking of, I don't know, an early Prince tune or, you know, somebody else might listen to it and think, oh man, there's this Thelonious Monk record from 1978 that whatever, or somebody else might think of a Dr. Dre record or something. Collaboration is so amazing because it you do these things, you kind of, you think of the, you know, when you're working with someone in the room, their energy will bring out something different in, in your playing. You're like, mm-hmm. you had the reference there, and but you might not have played that or, or drawn from that reference otherwise, I feel like. Yeah. So like me collaborating with, with Yusuf on this record has steered my journey as a musician, you know, in terms of my influences. You know, I've been, I've been inspired by that project because it's brought out something different in me as an artist. Yeah. You know? All right, this is some good conversation. I got to remind you, though, have you guys not gone to that Neural DSP website yet? You got to go check it out. Use that 30% off coupon, Wong. That's my last name. And while you're there, check out the Archetype Corey Wong plugin. I guarantee you, if you are looking for good, clean, or edge of breakup tones, this is the plugin for you. There's three different amps, a pedal board, EQ, three different caps. Come on! You can use it live. You can use it in the studio. There's that 14-day free trial. Check out all the plugins and let me know which one's your favorite. What do you think are the types of projects or songs that are best left to collaboration? And what are the things best done by yourself? In terms of like writing a song, do you mean like in terms of... I guess as far as writing a song, but also Mm. just putting out an artistic piece. Yeah, I think um, in terms of collaboration, as a producer, I always want to have the final touches on things. So whether that's the mix or like, for example, for for the music I'm working on right now, it's my next solo. I think it's going to be an EP. It's more songwriter based. I'm singing on it. Um, And I'm working with this guy called Miles. He's an amazing producer. And I'm doing the stuff at his studio, right, on his computer. And then I just want to make sure I get the stems and I kind of shape it in my world by myself. So I think that's yeah. important that I have that time to to kind of make sure everything, you know, just to kind of go through and make sure it's cohesive with my catalogue and, and the journey that I've I've had so far. Yeah. So yeah, that for me that's it's always that that kind of final stage. I want to make sure I'm doing my thing. So the collaboration to kind of get the inspiration and draw different influences, but by yourself, it's good to at the end just be able to make sure that it fits the through line of your career and catalog. Yeah, exactly. And generally I want to do the vocals by myself because I sometimes sure. I just do like a hundred takes. I want to have that time to like come <laughs> through and, you know. Yeah, yeah. so you're not somebody who's like, I need to nail it, take one purist of uh, one take through. You're fine comping a hundred takes. I'm fine comping, man. I'm fine comping. Like, yeah. I, I remember I had a session with um, Robert Glasper before lockdown and I was, I was really excited about the session because I've, I've been a big fan for, for years. And then at the end of the session, it was just, he was on piano, I was on guitar. We were jamming out on something and uh, it was like a 10 minute jam. I loved it, but I knew that I wanted to try it again because like, 
I'd messed up a few bits and I reckon it could, like, the idea was so strong. And he was like, no, nah, man, I don't do, like, second takes. That's, you know, that's it. And I was just <laughs> like, no. You know, I really wanted to, like, do one more. But so, yeah, yeah, some people just don't, I guess. It's that jazz, yeah. jazz thing. Yeah. Everybody's got a different flow. Yeah. Different flow. Are you, are you a one-take you, one man or are you a... I like to find a balance. You know, from the mm. stuff that we've done together, I like to do stuff in the room. Yeah, yeah. And just play it straight down. Make sure that there's an anchor take. Yeah. 85% of that take was exactly it. And yeah. maybe there's some little nudgies here and there. If you know, yeah. if I need to push something around. And then if it's like, okay, take four had some For really sure. good stuff in it. There was a lot of magic. Let's make sure we get that. I'm definitely. cool with that. Yeah, man. I feel like as, as I've progressed, I'm definitely trying to give my recordings more life and make them more organic. So less loop based, but more like recording a song all the way because then you have that. Mm -hmm. It feels more alive, that fully live thing, yeah. Yeah, there's something different about speaking a mantra a hundred times in a row rather than just playing the same mantra recording back a hundred times. Yeah. As far as a producer and player, you're such a producer, writer, you've got a great studio flow. Do you feel like you get your kicks off still when you're on tour? Or do you feel like you get completely out of that flow? I get a completely different kick off tour, I think. I think first of all, it's like, it just feels so good to be traveling, be out in the world, you know, out of the studio. First of all, that's amazing. I love that aspect of it and seeing new places. And then there's the whole, which, yeah, it's amazing, man. It's, it's, it's funny because I never, I was very much just a bedroom studio person. And then I started playing shows. It wasn't, wasn't something that was came naturally to me, but I think I've just, you know, I love playing guitar and I've, and I've kind of, yeah, that, I mean, playing shows is playing guitar. So. It's, it's cool, man. Yeah. And I, there's, there's room in my shows to improvise and stuff. So it's always fun. It's always different. Yeah. I've seen some videos and it looks great. It looks like a really fun show. I have yet to see you live, but the videos yeah. I've seen look awesome. Likewise, man. Likewise. Yours yeah. is very fun, man. Well, you keep mentioning and referring to yourself as a bedroom producer, which I like that yeah, term. Yeah, I do. That's a fun <laughs> term. Yeah. But as a bedroom producer yeah. who plays guitar, mm. I don't... When I think of bedroom producer and guitar player, I don't see somebody who's got three boutique amps that are like $40,000 amps with all the greatest microphones no, no. cranked to 10. Yeah. Just because you're not doing that in your bedroom. So, yeah, what do you no. usually use because, you know, this is a guitar podcast. Mm. What do you do as far as recording your guitar and then when you play live how you recreate your sound? So, initially my guitar sound um, up until Geography has been the Logic 9 Guitar Amp Pro, which is, uh, yep. I'm now on Logic X, which is the, the latest version of Logic, which they don't, they don't actually have the Logic 9 Guitar Amp. Um, yep. but I've managed to hack, hack Logic. So I now get it on Logic X. And, um, nice. it's, it's kind of like a very clean, I was just running my, I run a strap. I've got a John Mayer Fender strap, which I run it through. Mm-hmm an Apogee influence, which influence Apogee, um, interface, which has a very clear, it doesn't add much color to the sound. So it's quite transparent. And that kind of just became my sound. It's not because, uh, it's kind of out of convenience that it became my sound because I couldn't, didn't have the mics. I couldn't be asked to mic up the, the amp and stuff. So, so that became my sound, man. Um, and then what kind of music I started micing stuff up was going for more of that organic sound. So yeah, man, guitar amp pro nine. With my thing. I like that. Saves yeah. uh, saves a lot of money too because it comes free with Logic. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so did you bring that on the road? Do you bring a, a laptop mm. and just plug into that when you play live? No. So I, I started playing with an amp for live shows, doing the conventional cool. way. And then uh, about a year ago, I wanted to try Kemper because I, I realized I could profile my Logic 9 Pro amp through Kemper. So I, I, I was trying to get that sound. But it just didn't quite sound the same as the Logic amp. Um, so I tried Kemper for a bit. And now I'm going back to amp. So I want to I wanna have proper amps for the live show, I think. Just because yeah. I'm, I'm more in headspace wise, I'm listening to more like 70s records, 80s records. And I love the, just like you can hear the room, you know, you can hear the amp buzz and you don't really get that with the Logic 9 clean yeah. amp. So it's just different, different headspace. For many no. of us that have gotten our start in the age of the internet and in the age of digital recording, or not growing up listening to, or excuse me, not growing up starting recording on all analog gear. Yeah. We have a different approach because I think many of us are just fine using Logic Amps. Like I've used the Logic Amps for a lot of stuff. I'm cool mm. using plugins. I love using plug-in amps, especially because I'm yeah. a clean guitar guy. So it, yeah. it's easy for me to do. But the keyboard world has embraced computers in a live setting, running Ableton sessions or main stage or that thing. Mm. But it's interesting that the guitar world has not yet adopted having a laptop on stage for sounds. Because mm. you're saying you're trying to get your digital Kemper to model your digital Logic Amp. Why wouldn't you have just used your Apogee and your laptop to, to use Logic 9 Live? Man, I, I don't really know. But I think because it's less um, secure, I guess. Like the laptop, sure. could, like, yeah, like yeah, Kemper's yeah. are kind of, you know... But um, but you got a point there, man. I should have just plugged into <laughs> the apology. <laughs> I, I've done it a couple times, and it's worked amazing. I've never had issues anytime I've just plugged in. So you just plug into the to the amp straight into the PA. Yeah. I, so well, if I'm using in ears, I'll do it. If I yeah, have, yeah. if I'm on wedges, or if I'm, you know, if it's a throw and go festival, I yeah, definitely yeah. like to use an, an amp. But yeah. if I'm on ears, I will sometimes just use my Apollo Twin. Just that's the little interface that I use right into my computer and yeah. the left and right out of the Apollo mm. is my guitar amp right there. But <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, there's more things to go wrong or did I forget to plug the power cable into the laptop and then it dies halfway through the set. But yeah, man, I think it's literally just a security thing that Kemper is quite good and and they do have some good sounds. They've modeled some sounds that are really um like convincing some yeah. of the in-stock stuff. And then, yeah, I mean, my pedal board kind of just became a Kemper uh, Kemper box and I had like the Kemper yeah. effects, but maybe it's just a headspace thing, but I just like having, I'm just in an analog headspace right now. You know, I like having. That's great. Just, yeah. Okay, I, you brought up, you have the Fender John Mayer signature Strat, which yeah. is dope. Okay, I saw a freaking video of you jamming with John Mayer at Crossroads Festival. Yeah, so man. I have two things here. You played the Eric Clapton Crossroads Guitar Festival. That must have been insane. And then I saw John Mayer sitting in on your Tiny Desk concert. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was... Um, That's incredible. That was one of the craziest days of my life. That that um, that day, Eric invited me to... Uh, Eric Clapton invited me to play the festival and um, obviously said yes. And then um, at the airport, I get a message from... Yeah, John... John Mayer sends me a DM and he says, do you want me to jump up for your set um, at Crossroads? And obviously, like, he's, he's a hero of mine, you know. My neck clicks. 
I, I clicked my neck because I think I was just so excited about the whole the whole thing that my neck clicked. So I had like a crooked neck for two days before the show, um, <laughs> which was really, really painful, man. That wasn't good. Yeah, that whole experience from being at that, being at that festival with all those like legendary guitarists, man, and then and then John jumping up and it was just crazy. It's crazy. I met Eric Clapton. He he was he said like thanks so much for coming down. And it it was just a mental mental day. Yeah, I fully had a pro- like a full on calm down after that experience. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for like two wow. days. But no, it's really cool, man. And it was it gave me a, a, a appreciation for blues music. Because most of the festival is blues, kind of like American yeah. blues and stuff, which I, I've never really listened to too much. But just being in that environment with all these kind of like cowboys was, was really cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> cowboys, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably cowboys. I was just going to say, yeah, I was trying to think like, obviously, you know, UK culture and American culture influence each other. And yeah. at this point in the digital age, we all influence everything. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you feel like you had a global mindset from the beginning because you got to start in the internet age, or did you feel like local kid making music in their bedroom? I felt like local. Yeah, I felt very London, Southeast London, local kid making music yeah. in my bedroom because I wasn't. I was just putting this stuff online, and it was just like getting big plays. I wasn't like, I wasn't really touring, you know, at the start and or doing any sure. of that, you know. So yeah, I think I felt quite, quite and I was young then. I was really young. <laughs> yeah, but I think the the idea of you putting your music out there to the world is and and getting your start that way is kind of unique. It's different than well, it's not unique anymore, I guess, but it's different than a lot of people got their start where the first things that they do to put themselves out there are playing local gigs in front of 20, 30 people that yeah. literally can only be people from their hometown. Yeah. In your case, you start, and in Wolfpack's case as well, is starting by putting stuff out there for the world to see. Yeah, I guess so. But it wasn't big numbers at first. It, in fact, it didn't feel like the world was listening at first because because it was it was just like my mates on SoundCloud. And then it was just that process, you know, of just like, you know, then I got a Majestic Casual, that YouTube channel. They sort of like, like increased my following and just like little things along the way. Um, sure. And now it feels like I'm, it's kind of like a worldwide thing, you know? Yeah. When you see other musicians on Instagram, on YouTube, anywhere online, mm. what is it that makes certain musicians stand out to you or certain artists stand out to you in today's environment? I think when it comes to singing, having just having an original voice, mm. I think you, you just hear so much of like people with the same kind of like, they just sound a bit like this person. And I think it's, it feels quite saturated, like voices these days, you know, in terms of new music. So that's always really nice when I hear a singer who I'm just like that. That just sounds so fresh. It just sounds like them, you know. And that yeah. can be really difficult. That can be difficult because I've I've gone through that process of trying to find my own voice to you know to kind of work out what what do I sound like, how do I want to sound because it's almost a choice as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's something. And then yeah, interesting production, man. I I love I love production and stuff like that. And then, yeah, just just what I'm into right now, you know, 70s yeah. stuff and, and it, like a lot of Brazilian music. I love a lot of Brazilian funk and soul and stuff that references from that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Is there anything that you're working on right now? You said you're working on an EP, a new yeah. thing. Oh, by the way, hold on. I do have a question. You have EPs, you have albums, and you refer to things as beat tapes or mixtapes. Oh, yeah. How do you define those th- three things as different? Because I myself am like... <laughs> 
how is a beat tape different than an album or how is a mixtape different than an album yeah there's a, there's no d- difference really but with the beat tapes it's just like i started making beats and i just thought it's not me singing on it, it's not songs i, I was i don't really think of it as an album you know it's kind of almost like an, a less formal approach to a project when i'm you know when i'm making yeah. beats it's kind of it's almost it's a different headspace you know um and then i just thought oh, i've made beat tape one after you know i'll call the next one beat tape two and it's just that sure. and then i'll always just have this sequel um yeah. and then and then the stuff where i'm writing songs is, is more an album sort of thing but i haven't done a mixtape i haven't done a mixtape i've only done beat tapes and al- and eps and albums okay how do you define a mixtape different than a beat tape i don't really know i guess i feel like a a rapper might do like a mixtape which they wouldn't want to call an album it would be like you know if, they, if you're like playing down your album you'll call it a mixtape maybe <laughs> sure yeah, yeah yeah you give yourself less pressure less pressure yeah <laughs> yeah you're downplaying yeah i get it okay that's cool yeah man nice guitar man to, to the left of you or the right of you that red one that that's, one yeah that's funky that's a, that's a baritone guitar from this builder in italy sick man. it's a bocce baritone guitar it's this it's really cool this guy bruno bocce he hand makes all of his instruments and wow. he is he's an instrument maker and a manager for this Italian artist and I was doing a recording session for this Italian artist and this bocce guy was like hey man um how about instead of paying you your day rate I give you half this x amount of money plus I give you this guitar sigma it's like Psh, yeah this thing is dope yeah, and uh, I actually I used that, we used that for the Fearless Flyers album, the first mm. album. Because nice, Mark man. Letieri, oh, yeah, Mark yeah. Letieri was coming from somewhere and he couldn't fly with his baritone guitar, so I just brought mine and he ended up using this bocce baritone guitar. He fell in love with it and was like, you got to put me in touch with this guy. And then Bruno oh, built Mark another one. <laughs> wow. Looks awesome, man. Yeah. I, what, what do you tune it down to? What's the bottom note? Normally a baritone is B to B, but B. I go A to A on this one. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's okay. nice and low, not in the metal way, but in the it gets it's kind of that low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, left of middle C, or like couple octaves left of middle C, sort of thing. It's it's nice. Nice man. And I only I only ever see you play that John Mayer Strat. Is that your only guitar? No, no. I um I've started playing a, J- a Gibson um three three. What was it? Gibson three three something. I literally, I, I'm so bad when it comes to like model numbers and things like that. It's it's a hollow body, <laughs> hollow body Gibson that I love. Is it the big one? Vintage three thirty five. Three three. You know, I've got it here. You could probably tell me what it is. I will be able to tell you, and if not me, <laughs> Jason will be able to tell you. Yeah, it's a three thirty five. Got the Bigsby. I, I like the sound of it acoustically. So I've been, I've been instead of plugging it in, I've just been micing it up, and I get a really interesting sound. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I for people listening, uh, Tom's gear thing is funny to me. I like this. I'm not putting you on blast here, but Tom showed up at the session carrying his guitar without a case and the pedal board not in a case and the cables just dangling down. I saw you get out of the Uber in London. You set the Strat on the street, then open the trunk and grab the pedal board. No. Like, bro, do you need it? Like, do was you need a, a case? Was it not in a case? It was not in a case. I don't know what you were doing. That's weird, man. I, I would have thought I would have brought a case. Um, but yeah, that's that's not good, man. 
<laughs> That's not good. That was yeah. funny. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember why I didn't have a, a guitar case that day. Very strange. That's all right. Yeah. You know, I've always wanted to try doing a tour where I just carry my guitar and no case. I walk onto the airplane, yeah. put the guitar up in the overhead bin. No, ca- It's a Stratocaster. It's resilient. It can handle it. Yeah, man. It. That would that'd be I've interesting. I've always wanted to try that. You'd get that vintage wear and tear that people pay a lot for. It'd be... Be interesting, yeah. man. <laughs> I might need to bring some tools to adjust the neck every gig, but yeah, yeah. it could be fun. Well, the last thing I want to talk about is when we first met. People have asked me, and uh, when I was telling people that I was going to interview you, they said, "Why don't you guys talk a little bit about how you guys recorded that Cosmic Sands tune when we first met?" Yeah, yeah. And you know, giving people some sense of what happened was Tom and I connected on Instagram, and then. You said, hey, I'm in Santa Monica at this Airbnb that happens to have a little recording space in the back. I swung by with my Apollo and my laptop, and we just yeah. both plugged directly in yeah. and recorded the tune. It was cool, man. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what, uh, what, what we were going to do, but we, it was wicked. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit from your side what you remember and how you... What, like, what, were you, what was your expectation, and how did you feel coming out of that and while we were there? I mean, I'm a big fan of your playing. So it was, firstly, it was just wicked to, to jam. And just, uh, and I don't often, I don't get a chance to actually play with, with many guitarists, actually. Sure. Like when I studied, I, there was, I was the only guitarist in, in my year. So there was no like, mm. was no kind of bouncing off. And, um, and it was cool, man. I think we, I think we just, did I have my pedal board with me? I think I did. You did have your pedal board, but it didn't my, work because it didn't work. your pe- power supply right. was set for UK power and you couldn't plug into the 110. That's it. So I basically didn't have my pedal board with me. And we were just, um, I, I found that kind of wah sound on Logic. Well, I think we just started jamming, didn't we? Yeah. It came together very, very organically. Yeah. It was cool. And then you just kind of took it away and, and finished it, man. But it was fun, man. I love doing that kind of thing. Yeah, it's cool because we each got our our production things. We were working in Logic. I watched you get your guitar sound with just Logic plugins. Yeah. I got my guitar sound with just Logic plugins. Yeah, man. And we just went. It was fun. We'll, we'll do it again, for sure. Yes, I would love to. And we, we, we were talking about to. doing a um a little show, weren't we? We were going to do a little guitar duet thing. Or something. Didn't we speak about that? We did speak about that. You said, that man, cool. I just want to play guitar. <laughs> I don't want to have to sing. Oh, yeah. I don't, don't want to have to sing, sing man. <laughs> that's yeah, what that's it. So we got to do that. Maybe yeah, we, man. We, should do, uh, we should do a weekend in the US and a weekend in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our own version of the G3 experience, but it's... Uh, Definitely, man. You, me, and, a, and like a, a drummer and a bass player or something would be fun. Yeah, man. Or just do a little like busking. I just want to busk, man. Do it, play outdoors. Just get two amps. Now we're talking. That could be pretty. That could be pretty, pretty dope. I'm into that. All right, <laughs> you let me know as soon as people can start going in public again. We'll have to do that. We'll, we'll do. It. I'm we'll down do with that. Great. Cool. Well, Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. This is really fun. Stoked to have you on. Yeah, man. Cheers. Thanks for today. Peace. There you have it, Tom Mish. Everybody, there are certain people whose personality shines through in their talking and in the way that they play their instrument slash music. Tom is definitely one of those cats, as you can hear. I would say that I'm one of those cats. I think you get a good idea of my personality when you hear me talk, but also in my playing as well. So check out the collaborations I have with Tom. Cosmic Sands. We did that on my album, Motivational Music for the Syncopated Soul. And then also he played on my tune, Smooth Move off of my new album just came out the Striped album so check it out and we'll see you next time 
Peace.